What's up, what's up, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of Exceeding Wild Black. Y'all can keep talking because <laughs> I got the homies with me. Y'all, I just looked at the dog on download for my last episode my the, for the comeback. Why did I get 1,329 downloads, bruh? Like, I love y'all. This was freaking amazing. So here we are. You know, it's October, spooky season. You know, everybody's doing what they want to do, you know, out in the streets and being scared, I guess. I don't know, child. But what I want to do right now is it's also mental health awareness. Um, <laughs> thank you. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, that, that was my girl, Dory. You feel me in the background? You feel me? My bitch got 1,300 views and everything. And I tell you, we did our DVD child. Nah, but that's motherfucking facts. <laughs> that's motherfucking facts. But so I, I obviously wanted to start the project by therapy in the black community. And I have the beautiful Brittany with me today. And this this conversation was very special to me. Like it was something that I feel like we all needed to discuss and talk about and just have um, within our community, within our people, within our friends, all that. So... I'm excited to get started with it. And again, you know, spend time with your loved ones today too. Because yep. I'm because sp- okay. <laughs> I'm spending time with mine. You know yep. what I'm saying? Yep. Like I'm spending time with mine and it's nothing but love. And I hope that y'all gain something out of this. It's also going to be a part one and a part two. Today is definitely a part one. Um, and then we're just gonna we're just gonna get into it. Um, I kind of spilled my life on this, but don't be telling my secrets to nobody because if they don't follow my podcast or they don't listen to them, that's on them and that's on motherfucking period. Okay. But I love you guys and let's get started. What's up? So excited about this interview, like all week long. Yeah. I'm excited too, actually. Yes. I've been so excited, mainly because um, when I talked to my friends, um, my last episode that I did, um, we talked about purpose and what uh, the the risk of not knowing what your purpose is, basically. Mm -hmm. And a lot of trauma came up in that conversation. And Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, like Mm -hmm. being able to discuss this right now in this episode and then talking to Brittany on Friday, I was just like, wow, like, everything is aligning. This is how it's mm. supposed to be. So <laughs> I'm really, really, really excited about this. Um, the one reason why I wanted to speak on therapy was because personally, for the personal reason was because I myself know that therapy would help me in a lot of situations, mm. not only in my relationships, but with my relationship with my family, with the relationship that I have with myself, my confidence level, um, Mm -hmm. just being on this self-healing journey has been hard, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that talking to someone, talking to a therapist that actually will understand um, can be beneficial. And I feel like a lot of my friends and the black community specifically, we, we are very traumatized. Mm-hmm. You know, um, not just from what our family have done, but just from the past, you know, mm-hmm. past history and the things that lie within our DNA, within our bloodline. So I want to ask you, why do you think it's important for African-American women to seek therapy? I'm glad that you already mentioned um, some of the big piece of the backdrop of uh, why our struggle is unique. And that is, yeah, that racial trauma. Um, it sets the tone in our conscious and our subconscious. So um, from a context of like our daily consciousness is just, you know, black people today still are dealing with discrimination and injustices and um, feeling like society is still saying you're not good enough or not worthy and so forth. And then in the subconscious is just that generational trauma. You know, what our parents went through and their parents and back and back and back all the way um, to times of slavery. And so it's important to acknowledge that because it kind of injects all of us with this dose of 
insecurity, or I could even maybe even call it like a poison of insecurity for reasons that are outside of our control, which is our, our color, the color of our skin. And so right off the bat, it can cause us to feel like we have something to prove. Mm-hmm. And um, I think what's even uh, more of a struggle for the African-American woman is that no matter how high we excel, no matter what our socioeconomic status is, no matter your level of education, no matter your step on the corporate ladder, no matter how many businesses you own and operate, the world still says you're not as worthy or your worthiness is questioned. Um, certain opportunities and accessibility to resources are limited. You still have, like, extra pressure and demand an expectation to do more and work harder. And that's either because we've had to <laughs> or, you know, we've, we've had to, like, hold it down for the family, especially if our male partners couldn't do that or they weren't able to, whether that's financially, spiritually, emotionally. Um, it, it almost caused us to have to accept this narrative and convincing ourselves that we have to be the strong black woman no matter what. And the danger that comes with that is that it creates this misconception of, like, our level of pain tolerance, like both to the outside world and to ourselves, right? So it's like the outside world is saying, oh, she's such a strong black woman. She'd be all right. Or (laughs) or she's so strong, right, then it's a threat, you know, like, oh, she's aggressive or whatever. Or... Sometimes we can even, like, internalize that to say, I'm strong enough, you know, I'm crying, but let me wipe my tears and just keep pushing through. And if we do that enough times, we can come kind of numb to our own vulnerabilities and weaknesses and and true real emotions and then start, like, suppressing things and denying things and avoiding things. And that's when the symptoms come. Then here comes depression and anxiety because it's just these these messages we're telling ourselves based on really just fear responses. So I'm sure you've probably heard or even said to yourself, like, you know, if I don't do it, who's going to do it for me? Like, who right. is? Or mm-hmm. if I don't do it, I'll never get it. I'll never have it. Or if I don't do it, I'll always struggle and be without. Or, you know, if I don't do it, no one's going to come to rescue me. And so it, it comes it's like we start getting into like this fear-driven success journey and be stressed out, (laughs) be stressed out, Mm -hmm. tired, resentful, uh, you know, resentful of having to be so strong or like uh, resentful of having to work harder, even for less, still for less, you know, either less respect or less money or less opportunity or or whatever. So, um, I think that what's unique of the black woman's experience is no matter what you do, somehow you're still in many ways unprotected, undefended, and undervalued. So, yeah, you might have to go to therapy to process through all of that, right? Right. <laughs> and, yeah. and you know what? You touched on something that we always feel like we have to be the strong black woman. And I mm-hmm. fear that even even – even with me, because I can only speak for myself right now because, you know, I'm the only one in this. But, mm-hmm. like, even with me, like, I, I speak to or I see my mom or my grandmother or, you know, different different women that I look up to, like, as a child. And mm-hmm. I see them and I'm like, okay, well, this is what I have to do. You know what I'm saying? This is, right. this, this is what they're going through, so this is what I have to do. You know what I'm saying? Like, I have yeah. to, you know, go through these phases and, you know, go through these obstacles, these trials and stuff. So for me, like for many people, we think about, okay, what can therapy actually give me that I'm already not doing myself? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I'm already, you know, being the strong person and getting up and telling myself, you know, having those affirmations and looking myself in the mirror and saying, okay, I can do this. Going to the next thing and not really, you know, I guess dissecting each each problem that I go with. So what would you say would be the benefits of therapy so someone can get out their head and actually understand that therapy is actually something that we need to we need to do to get through the depression cycles and the suicidal thoughts? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think what's important to note for all of us is that we are social beings. And 
healing really can only be found in relationships of some kind. And so it, wellness itself can't really be achieved in isolation. So we, mm-hmm. we can't heal ourselves, per se. It's what relationship offers. And let's speak of, let's say, the therapeutic relationship, for example, is it can bring awareness to you of something you don't see. And, you know, the patterns of what you're saying in what you say you're feeling um, <clears throat> and how these feelings affect your behavior. And then how those behaviors or feelings or thoughts are affecting your functioning. And and when you see that, it's hard for me to, like, get up in the morning or it's hard for me to go to sleep at night or I don't have an appetite, I don't have motivation. All these things are signs that, you know, something's not okay. And so then the next thing that the relationship can do is bring accountability um, to you about um, how you can go about changing the problem. So it kind of gives you an opportunity to choose to do something different in order to do better or feel better or just sit with the pain. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes we just got to sit with that thing and go through the process of the pain to get to the other side of healing. Um, I think that society is saying, oh, you need to get over it because we got stuff to do. <laughs> you know, really? like, you ain't got time to cry so long, girl. You got to go get some kids to school. And so you do that too many times, and then you're just not feeling so good. So some of the main benefits are to consider that therapy can provide you with a safe, non-judgmental space to share your unadulterated, politically incorrect, transparent, vulnerable experience of your reality, the truth as you know it to be right now. And it can help you come to know or remember, like, what your worth is, what your worth and your value is in a way that's not just contingent on your performance, like, and not just about what you can do for people. Um, Help you learn how to accept yourself as you are, where you are, recognizing, you know, I might be strong sometimes, but at the end of the day, I am just a beautiful, tender creature who needs love and affirmation, and appreciation, validation, celebration, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Like, I need those things just like everybody else. Um, And so what you want to receive, you can learn how to first give that to yourself, like, Mm -hmm. you know, through the practice of self-care, teaching you how to do that. Because, you know, a lot of people don't know how to take care of themselves well, they think right. they do, but they really don't know. So that's what therapy can help you learn. Um, it can help you, like, uh, practice self-compassion and patience, forgiving yourself, giving grace to yourself first, and then you can kind of extend that to other people, how to manage your expectations and, like, avoid putting any kind of disproportionate pressure on yourself mm-hmm. or other people, um, how to say no without feeling guilty about it and setting boundaries, how to give language to your unspoken pain and emotions that nobody really knows about, and, like, how to challenge your viewpoint and your thought patterns that might be keeping you sick. So the whole idea is just learning how to rest and be still when it's appropriate and learning how to be strong and push forward when that's needed to. And that, <laughs> yeah, but it's necessary. It is yes. definitely necessary. And it's funny because when you when you spoke on um, validation, I was like, well, you don't, need to, you don't need to get nobody else's validation for what you got going on. But then mm-hmm. it was like, yes, it is foremost for yourself. And also, because I know, like, for me, it's mm-hmm. not necessarily that I need validation in a sense, but it's mm-hmm. like, I know that what I'm doing currently is right. You know, Mm -hmm. I know that what I'm doing right now is what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm proud of myself. I celebrate myself. But it's also the need of wanting to hear it from someone else, you know, wanting to hear it from my family, wanting to hear it from my friends, Um, not necessarily, not necessarily to, like, hear it, but but to make me feel like, okay, yeah, I am right, you know what I'm saying? This yeah. is, you know, what I'm supposed to be doing. I am on my correct path. But right. when, I don't, when I don't hear it, it kind of, like, 
well, damn, like, so yeah. you're not gonna, you're not gonna say you're you're happy for me, you know, you're not gonna right. say congratulations, you know, there's no celebrating right. me, and right. um, and it sucks because it's like I'm always one to celebrate other people, you know, mm-hmm. you you could you could just tell me, oh, I bought a balloon, I'd be like, hey, <laughs> <laughs> what color, right? <laughs> Good for you, girl. <laughs> relationships when they're wanting or willing to celebrate me I don't know how to take that I don't know how to receive that Mm, because I've never I've never received it you know what I'm saying so when they Mm -hmm. oh no no I'm listening no that's I'm glad you said that because some people can struggle with that absolutely yeah and and so when so when they do it I'm just kind of like okay like what am I supposed to do with this you know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying like Mm -hmm. like how do I and you know, you know, be grateful that you even say that. So, mm. which brings me to my next question: Like, do you believe that most relationships today fade away because of the lack of therapy presented in the relationship? In the relationship. So, I think that there's a lot of factors for why relationships fail. Um, you know, obviously, like, obviously, like um, lack of self awareness or self esteem or self love or whatever. Most of the time, it's just poor communication. <laughs> That's usually why relationships <laughs> fail, um, or not having healthy boundaries, or just being prideful and selfish, where it keeps you from really hearing someone else's heart and being able to have empathy for them. Um, so therapy itself may not be the reasons why they're failing, but what therapy can do is help bring awareness to the problem and what's not working and accountability for them to choose to do something different. So, you know, I don't know if you've heard the saying, you know, when you know better, you do better. Yeah. I don't know if I agree with that, though, only because. (laughs) Okay, can we break that down real quick? This is why. This is why. Even if we know better, people can still choose not to do better. It still goes down to choice. What helps is if we know more about the right thing to do, we know more about how our interactions with someone else affects them, and we decide if we care about that or not, then mm-hmm. we can choose to do something better about it. Because we're saying, well, I, I want to be a better person. I don't mean to hurt nobody's feelings. You know, let me, okay, let me hear what they're saying, consider what they're saying, and try something different. Then then you're mm-hmm. able to grow that way. But if you're like, nah, you tripping. I don't know why you hurt. Nope, I don't care. Whatever. I'm right. You're wrong. Then you're not going to grow. <laughs> you're not going to do better. So it, it goes back to choice. So therapy can help teach people how to relate more effectively. But at the end of the day, you still got to do the work. And I always tell my clients that, like, therapy is not magic. Like, <laughs> you have to come in. You're choosing to be here. Because you're saying, I know that there's things I want to change. So you first have to have, like, a willingness to do that. And mm-hmm. then you have to have a dedication to putting the work in. And then you've got to have patience with the process. It's, it's not an overnight thing. It is a let me be intentional about this. Let me identify where I'm going, where I'm not, and what's the barrier to that. And let me let me dive in. Let me ask questions. Let me uncover things I've never wanted to say out loud. Let me get real. Let me get real with myself so I can see what it is that I need to move past whatever this thing is. You know, so, no, it's not therapy itself. Therapy is not the cure. It is what do I choose to do. That's what makes the difference. Exactly. And I agree with that 100% because, like, and you touched on that, like, the patient. But I, mm-hmm. I fear that, like, Okay, if you don't if you don't have patience enough in the relationship, you're mm-hmm. not. I I don't think you're gonna have patience enough to understand or wait until you start seeing improvements when it comes to therapy. 
You know, mm. we're so we're so easy to give up. You know, mm-hmm. we're so easy to be like, you know what, it's not working. I've been doing this for like two weeks now. Right. It's not working. Or for like two right. sessions. Right. Like, okay, <laughs> it's been two sessions. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. What do you expect? Like, exactly. What do you expect? So it's like for me, like I have to I have to really say, Okay, Jazz, like you you have if you're gonna do this, you're going to do this, you know? Yeah. And you're not gonna sit here and say, All right, it's been two sessions and I'm just not saying anything because we haven't even gotten to the root of the problem yet. Right, exactly. We have to dig really, really deep. But I also think when it comes to relationships, communication is definitely, definitely Mm -hmm. number one, okay? hurts you, you know, uh, and forgiveness. Because honestly, (laughs) 
that's probably one of the most difficult things to do in this world, in this life, is to to show unconditional love and forgiveness to someone who's wronged you. Because that's like a undeserved kindness. Like that that doesn't come naturally for us to do that. And so it's like you would have to have something greater than you to help you with something like that. Because that's not a natural response we want to have. Naturally, we want to like, oh, you gonna get what's coming to you, you know? Like, how dare you do this to me? Like, (laughs) you know, like that's our natural response. So it's really going against our nature to do something different than that and opposite of that. And so it's like you have to look up, (laughs) in a sense, to Mm -hmm. help you have the strength to do those things to get back as you say, to the softness of your aura or the wellness of your soul. And I said earlier before how, you know, healing is found in relationship. And what I mean by that is that is in relationship with God, relationship with yourself, and relationship with other people. Um, Because the most important things that we value in this life are are revealed to relationship, you know, what true love is and what it looks like. How else are we going to learn that unless we're in a relationship? Or, you know, how do we refine our character to know how to act better unless we get feedback from other people? And how do we learn empathy? You know, so relationship matters. And it starts, in my opinion, it starts with who is God to you and who do you think God, you know, what do you think he thinks of you? Exactly, exactly. And sorry for the noise. I've been I've been muting it because um <laughs> I didn't know it. <laughs> people are doing people are doing the yard right now, so it's a little <laughs> it's a little hectic. But <laughs> yes, um but you know, one thing that I wanted wanted to mention when you said a higher power and this is kind of like off topic but not really. Um mm-hmm. when it comes to spirituality and when it comes to religion, I I fear Right now, me and my friend, we were having this conversation, and I fear that people people are so into trends, and they're so mm-hmm. into, okay, like, if, if this is what they're doing, then I'm going to do it, too, yeah. you know? And I, and I think, like, being a millennial, I don't hear God often enough. I don't hear that often enough, and I don't hear, you know, I'm about any higher power often enough when it comes mm-hmm. to our generation and when it mm-hmm. comes to relationships. And I fear that that is the main core of the mm. issue. You yes. know, I fear that the reason why we have so much turmoil when it comes to our relationships and, you know, the baggage and not being able to heal or, you know, mm-hmm. not being able to find our purpose or find what matters to us is yes. because yes. we don't have a higher po- power to talk to, you know, yes. or to handle our battles. You know, we're trying yes. to handle it all ourselves, and it's exactly. not going to work like that. You know, nope. we're not going to be effective in our lives. We're not going to be effective in our relationships if we do not have somebody that we can count or that we can go to for counsel. You know, yes. and I'm not just speaking about yes. therapy. I'm not just speaking about, you know, a mm-hmm. human, but I'm speaking spiritually. You know, yes. we need somebody that we can come to that will counsel us, that will yes. help us, you know, yes. so – Mm-hmm. If you don't have that, if you if you don't have that, find that first. Then find okay. That. You, know Thank, you know what, Jasmine? You go there. Thank you for saying that to your generation. You know what I'm saying? Because you're right. I I have this slogan that mental health is soul health. Like yes. your mental health derives from your soul. <laughs> if that's not right, if that's not well, if that's if you're unsure of that, if if you feel tension in that area, then your mind is not going to be right. You're going to struggle. So I'm so glad you said that. Absolutely. It's needed. It's needed mm-hmm. in the in this world in this generation because mm-hmm. I feel like that's that's the major disconnect. That is the yes. major disconnect. Yes. So in speaking on the men and millennials and stuff, <laughs> um, it. It's crazy enough because, you know, we have – now we're all talking about our non-negotiables, our boundaries, and mm-hmm. what we want and what we expect and stuff. And it always bounces back to men not being sh- chivalrous anymore. You know, they mm. don't open doors. They don't, you know, have respect. It's just mm-hmm. a whole bunch of mean people out here, honestly. Mm. Like, everyone's so mean and cold-hearted. And 
And it's going to be hard mm-hmm. to communicate, in my opinion, because we're so glued to our phones and glued to what we see and think that it's mm-hmm. right when it's not. So yes. how do how do we communicate effectively with this stereotype? And are we able to communicate effectively without bringing up the trends of today? So this is such a good topic. <laughs> you should probably do another special about just this topic alone, right? So, (laughs) man, Um, so I think it's important to address this issue from a cultural societal context, a.k.a. the trend, as well as one's own belief system, values, and standards, and the fundamental differences between men and women. So if we're looking at the trend in the context of that, you are right. Social media is off the chain, <laughs> like it's a whole new reality, quote unquote. Okay, social media especially does not illustrate real relationships accurately. It 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 is fueled by well, money is one, but fantasy and like idealism and really just coming from a place sometimes of insecurity and just the ignorance of how to actually have a real relationship. And so, you know, young people and millennials are following this false depiction of what a healthy, happy relationship should look like. And because of this, it's like you're only seeing, like, snippets of someone else's reality without any context of what's actually going on behind the scenes. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Everybody has its stuff. Like, you don't know what their family background is like. You don't know what kind of character they have on a daily basis at work, at home, at school. You don't know what unrevealed, like, struggles or hardships they're going through. So it's easy to assume that, oh, they look so happy, so all I need to do is this. You know, all I need to do is do a few dances on TikTok and I'll be straight. You know, i or whatever it is. So it's like you're always, like, trying to keep up. It leaves you mm-hmm. at the mercy of the trend. And the mm-hmm. lie that comes with that is that you're never meeting the expectation. Let me tell you something. I was doing food blogging for a little while when I had become a stay-at-home mom and had my daughter. And um, I was in this limbo of trying to figure out my purpose again in a sense. I had never lost it. I just forgot it because I was like, never had a kid before, right? So I'm like, oh, my gosh, what do I do? And I was at home. (laughs) I was bored. And so I said, okay, let me try food blogging. I've always had a passion for it. So my perfectionism type self was trying to do all the things with food blogging, trying to do the blog, all the social media platforms, cooking the food, recording the food, hashtagging the food. Poaching stuff. It was driving me crazy. <laughs> and then your Instagram coming out with, oh, well, now it's, pictures aren't good enough. Now you got to do reels. And, oh, when you do the reels, they have to be TikTok style. And, oh, this, and I'm like, this is madness. <laughs> it sucks the joy out of what I intended to do in the first place. Exactly. And I got too focused on trying to gain followers and likes to be, quote, unquote, successful with my blog, and it was stressing me out. <laughs> I was like, this is ridiculous. I'm not doing this anymore. And I had to just take a break from it. Um, but what I saw was the danger of social media is that it, it forces you to use superficial means to get mm-hmm. some of your core needs met. So my core need was I was just trying to reconnect really to myself but I was going through the avenue that I shouldn't have been going through to do that. So when it comes to relationships, what I've seen a lot with uh, men and women is, in, in many ways, using sex as a currency to buy love. So the super yes. Okay. Can we go there? Yes. Can yes. we go there tonight? Yes, we can cool. go there. Yes. Cool. Let's yes. go. Let's go. <laughs> Okay, so let's break it down. If the argument most of the time is men may spend money to buy, in a sense, sex, right, or to buy love, 
that's another uh, attempt that they're trying to they're trying to get love, but thinking I have to spend money to do that. Now, some men just don't care. Some men just want to just have sex with men, women. You know, they're not looking for love. They're not looking for a relationship. That's still true. Oh, men yes. and some women too. What are you playing? Yes, yes, you're right. <laughs> you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And so, but if if we're if we say that okay, if there's a deeper underlying core need that is really they want to, let's say, provide for and protect what they cherish and what they value and respect, then maybe they will show up in that way and, and spend that money for that special someone. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's an, you know, a sweet uh, way of looking at it. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. So the other side, okay, for women, if the argument is, oh, women just want money and that's it, okay, the underlying core need there really is, for some women, safety and security. Are you going to be able to provide for the future family I'm thinking about, you know, by choosing you? Or mm-hmm. some women really just want the money to live mm-hmm. that lavish life, cute clothes, nice car, get the bills paid, and have no intention of going deeper in a relationship. So there's two mm-hmm. sides to this, okay? But sex without a context of a real relationship without a contract, a commitment, or a covenant, it's just, it's cheapening the experience of what people may really want. And I Mm -hmm. think people get confused by that. They're going backwards. So it's like they're trying to get the house on the hill with the white picket fence, per se, by going through the back alley searching for the key under the mat. Like, let's not do it that way. That's backwards. That's backwards. <laughs> exactly. exactly. That's not the way to go. Instead, the harder thing to do is to get to know the person, have some patience to get to know them, test them, check and see if they're a safe person first. You know, what are their values? Like, what do they stand for? So, and it goes back, so when I said earlier, we got to check the, the social, cultural context and the trends the personal beliefs, and the differences between men and women. So now we're talking about personal beliefs, values, and standards. Mm-hmm. If you, if a person has a core standard and they're clear about that, it maintains itself despite what the trend is because the world is fickle. <laughs> it changes all the time. The mm-hmm. trend changes all the time. It's temporal. So you have to have an anchor. So mm-hmm. you have to know, you have to ask yourself, okay, who am I? What do I stand for? What do I believe? Like, instead of what the world says I should be or what the world says I am, who am I? Who do I choose to be? How do I want to show up in the world? If you have some clarity about that, then it's not as easy to just fall for the trend and get caught in the trap and be less empty-handed. No needs met. You know, you may feel someone has robbed some things from you. You end up more broken than when you started because you were trying to get love by means of sex and did not even know the person you having sex with. You oh know? my God! You know what I mean? So like, I, I, I feel it. <laughs> <laughs> so if so, if you consider, if people choose to be friends first, mm-hmm. then you don't have to worry about an obligation. There's no expectation. And there's no risk of deeper feelings happening before you had a chance to get to know somebody. That's the just friends level. Okay, if we take it to the next level, friends with benefits. So now there's still no obligation because just because people are having sex doesn't mean they feel committed to one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and but what can arise now are expectations, especially for women. Because we get attached more easily emotionally through sex. Mm -hmm. And so even though there's no obligation, the expectation is, oh, well, I gave it up, so I'm going to expect him to start acting the way I really want him to. Or I'm going to expect him to start paying some of these bills. (laughs) Or, you know, I'm going to expect all these things from him. And and your feelings are now invested. But his may not be. And Mm -hmm. what can happen a lot of times is he sees 
that the expectations are coming and the feelings are coming, and now he's wanting to detach from that or push away from that because many times it's not what he wanted in the first place. Sometimes it's just sex that's desired. So the difference with sex within the safety of a commitment, in best-case scenario, I would say marriage, is there is obligation, there is duty, there is sacrifice, there is connection, there is realistic expectations to have of one another, there is foundation to build intimacy, there is enough safety to get transparent and vulnerable with your partner so that you can build from there. But the other way, you're cheating yourself. You're cheating yourself. And then it's like, what else, what else is there to work for if the goods are already given up so early and you don't even know the person? Exactly. But you know what? I think that some people that give sex early are scared mm-hmm. in a sense. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's it's a point to where it's like, okay, I don't really know what I bring to the table. It, it, it goes back yes. to you not really realizing who you are. Yes. You know I'm saying? You don't know who you are. You don't really necessarily know what you want. Um, yes. I stated I this in the last episode um, that I did where if somebody were to ask me today, what are my non-negotiables? What are my boundaries? Yeah. Yeah. I have no idea, you mm. know, and um, I have no idea what mm-hmm. that really, what that even is, you know, mm. um, it's like, it's like a point to where it's like, I'll, I'll meet a guy or I'll see a guy and I'm like, okay. And automatically like in my head, and it may just be the way I think, but like mm-hmm. in my head, I kind of know what I want and what I don't want, mm-hmm. you know, but if someone were to just to ask me like straight up, what is my non-negotiable? I would have a hard time saying, saying them or, you know, expressing what they are, what my boundaries are, because mm-hmm. in that instance, it's like, I don't, I don't really know off the top of my head. You show me something and I don't like it, I'll tell you then. You know, right. I'll tell you that I don't like it. And that could also be a flaw, too. So when it comes to meeting someone new, um, especially, again, with, for me, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. especially me, for someone that, you know, has, like, an attraction to somebody and that has, like, a high sex drive, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. I'm automatically mm-hmm. thinking that. You know what I'm saying? I'm automatically thinking, like, hey, what are we about to do? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. Like, what are we about to do? So I'm not necessarily in that moment thinking about, you know, where this can go or who are you going to be in my life or, yeah. you know, like you said, the expectations of anything. But trust and believe, if we go there, now now those things are playing. You know what I'm saying? Now I'm starting uh, to think about, okay, wait, so why are you here? You know what I'm saying? Like, what you, yeah. what you, what you here for? And I had to start retraining my mind and retraining, yes. you know, myself to say, okay, first off, yes, I'm thinking about how you are in the bedroom, but first, who are you? Mm-hmm. You know, Who are like, you? Who are you? Like, who are yes. you? What do you want? Why are you yes. here? Yeah. <laughs> you know, because yes. I do believe that people come to your life for either a season or a lesson, you know what I'm saying? Yep. Like they, yeah. they, they come to your life to teach you something or yep. they come to your life to be a blessing, you know? Right. Um, and it's either to recognize, to recognize, you know, something in yourself that you have overlooked that you mm-hmm. may not have quite seen, or mm-hmm. it's to show you, Hey, um, what you're doing in this area is wrong, you know, mm-hmm. and he's going to show you why, you know what I'm yep. saying? Or, or yep. you're going to realize why, and then you're going to yeah. stop doing it. You know, right, so right. I think that when it comes to automatically seeing someone and automatically saying, okay, we just going to get sex out the way because people are so scared to open up and people are mm-hmm. so scared to um, tell people or share, you know, the yeah. and saying. And I think that when it comes to getting to know people, we don't know how to get to know people, you yes. know, and, and, yes. and, this, and this generation is so hard to get to know someone because you, because everybody already automatically has it in their head, oh, you're just the same like every other female, mm. or you're just the same as every other dude, you know, you'll yeah. see how somebody is dressed or somebody, how somebody acts or how somebody yeah. speaks and you're like, oh, I already know about you, you yeah. know, because uh, my ex did this or my friend, my friend's mm. ex did this or, you know, whatever the case may be. And it's like, no, like this mm-hmm. could be, this could be your blessing and you're missing out because you're worried about everything else. You know, yes. you're worried about what your friends are or what your friends are saying, or you're worried about, you know, the things that he hasn't shown you in that moment. And 
again, it goes back to patience because people are mm-hmm. so impatient when it mm-hmm. comes to getting to know somebody. Everybody's not going to come to you with a silver platter and say, this is who I am. Exactly. Okay? It's, it exactly. doesn't work like that. You know, it really, right. it really takes work and it really takes effort. And I fear that another thing is, for me, I have a hard time. Like I'm, I always want to help people. You know what I'm saying? I always want to see mm-hmm. people grow. I always want to mm-hmm. see people elevate. So for me, it's like, all right, I, I see your flaws. I definitely mm-hmm. see your red flags, you know, and I see them. And it's like, I know you're not for me, but I want to help you see it too. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, I take, so, I take, so I take time to be mm-hmm. like, do you see this about yourself? You know what I'm saying? Don't you, don't you want to work on this? And it's like, mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure if I do it, you know, for them or if I'm doing it for me because I know mm-hmm. that once they recognize their red flag and they mm-hmm. get over that, oh, oh, then, baby, you for me. You for me now. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I, I, yeah. I, done, I done fixed you up. I done fixed oh, you up. Oh, you know yeah. <laughs> You're mine, you know? And yeah. I think, like, that, that's another thing that women have a hard time, you know, cutting off, too, because it's like mm-hmm. a –
the wife is put in a position to have to set some boundaries. And it can cause the husband to feel in the middle, but the boundaries still have to be set. And mm-hmm. if if the relationship is of value and important and that's what matters, then mama's just going to have to be all right. So I would say first dis- discuss those roles and expectations as early as possible. Keep asking questions to continue to get to know each other. Set those healthy boundaries and maintain the boundaries. So it can't be a back-and-forth thing. Like if you all decide, oh, we're going to, uh, I don't know, Hawaii for Christmas instead of mom's house, and then he's saying, oh, well, you know, I talked to my mom, and I said that we were going to go anyway. Uh, No, that's breaking trust with your partner. And so you have to talk about that. You have to say, babe, I thought we agreed on this, and when you – I feel like you've gone behind my back now to say this to your mom. It makes me feel a little betrayed by you, and it makes it difficult for me to feel like I can trust you now. You know, do you see that? Do you see that how that's impacting our relationship? So it's like it's an ongoing discussion, and the expectation is those boundaries have to be set no matter what. <clears throat> and I also ask couples to ask themselves, like, how do you want your relationship to look different than your families or then your parents mm-hmm. or you know because sometimes our parents you know they do the best they can and right. whether or not it's a good or healthy relationship it's what we know <laughs> so mm-hmm. exactly. we go with what we know it's our default it's just natural to default to what you know because what you know you you're comfortable with that what you mm-hmm. don't know it's the unknown that creates fear in us and so even if it's dysfunctional, that's why people can keep doing things that are dysfunctional and unhealthy because it's familiar. Mm-hmm. And so to do something different and new, that's the challenge. That's the push. That is the trust walk. That is the faith walk. And that's why you need something bigger than you to help you do stuff like that, even there, you know? Exactly. So, yeah. And, you know, when you said these are some things that we should discuss, you know, early, like in the early stages, I just feel like when when I'm when I'm getting to know someone, you know, like these are these are definitely the questions that I wanna ask and, you know, mm-hmm. I want to understand, but then you have that moment where they're just like Dang, you can indeed, ain't you? Like, hold oh, no. like, uh, yeah. on. I, I, I ain't trying to. I ain't trying to go there yet. You know what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. it's like, where are you trying to go? Like, right. It, it puts me in a weird space because it's like, okay, how does one expect to get to know someone if you don't even mm-hmm. want to talk about the things that matter? You You're know, right. Um, that's right. And it goes. And, and that can life. tell you. That should tell you right off the bat that maybe that they're not ready yet, you know? And if they're not ready, then maybe you're not the one for me at this time. And that's okay because the danger comes in if you're trying to force someone to be what you want them to be. You know, like we were saying before about trying to um, uh, change him up into the man that he needs to be kind of thing, that's really a control thing. That is, I'm fearful of losing you, so let me try to make you be what I really want you to be, even though he's not willing to be that. That's hitting your head against the wall. <laughs> and what can happen is they can become the image of what you think they need to be for a time, and then they can be like, you know what? I never really liked wearing these stupid shoes. I ain't wearing these shoes no more. Get off my back, woman. No, I'm not doing it. <laughs> you know? Then it can become a whole rebellion. <laughs> no. No, can't force people to be anything you want. They want. And and here's the thing, especially with men, men are not going to change unless they want to. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Women Mm -hmm. have to get that. And myself included, I've been very guilty of that. It's like women think that we can just multitask everything and, like, strategize, do all kinds of stuff. But no, a man is going to do what he wants to do when he wants to do it and not no time sooner. (laughs) <laughs> that's the truth. All right. Yes. Yes, that is so true. Oh my gosh, that is so true. <laughs> like, yeah. ooh, I feel like I'm just in the country right now. I just want to tell you everything. <laughs> Man, it's real. I'm about to put all my business out here. But anyway, <laughs> <next question. laughs> 
that throughout history, both of what women and men have gone through is, is somewhat rooted in our DNA. And how do we recognize what our beliefs are versus what is embedded in us? Oh, that's good. Um, so it's always going to be an argument between nature versus nurture. Mm-hmm. Um, because both play a part all the time. Nature looks like our biology, our pre-existing conditions, our susceptibility to certain disorders, our um, what the histories of our family did, like in our own personality, you know. So there's that as a backdrop. Um, there is what we mentioned before, the generational trauma that's unique to the African-American people. Um, and nurture is how you were raised, what kind of interactions you had with the world or have with the world. Um, they all matter and play a part together at the same time constantly. So mm-hmm. therapy can bring awareness to that reality. So we do, you know, some uh, clinicians will do what they call a biopsychosocial assessment. And mm-hmm. that's looking at biology, history, psychological status at the time, and your social interaction. And so when you can see for yourself um, on paper, per se, I mean, it's not like we're handing over an assessment all the time, but <laughs> when you're able <laughs> to see, oh, this is what I'm coming to the table with, these are my patterns, um, you know, this is me. And to say, oh, you know what, I think... I don't like that, though. Some of these things I don't like and I want to change. Or some of these things I see how that makes it harder for me than it may be for someone else, you know. It it Mm -hmm. can give you, it can normalize the situation. I think sometimes we just think that it's just me who can't do something. You know, like, why is it so hard for me? But other people can do it. You know, it always seems like it's easier for someone else to do something. But you don't know. You don't know their struggles. You don't know what they're battling on a daily basis to present a certain way to the world every day. Take, for example, the young lady, the beauty queen who committed suicide. Right, right. Mm -hmm. How well did she present to the world but was suffering, was suffering inside? And, And what we don't know, we don't know her history Biologically, we don't know her struggles. We don't know what her thought patterns were. We just don't know those things. So therapy can bring it to the surface. It can bring it and hold it up to the light. So at least you have awareness of what's going on, and then you can make a choice. Right. And how how do we go with unraveling what we were taught to help benefit us more in our careers or in our relationships? So... When I think of unraveling what we were taught, so it's more of facing the truth of what your experience was, putting a voice to it and a language to it, because sometimes people don't know what they're feeling. They don't know how to put it into words. They just know they're feeling pain. And Mm -hmm. so therapy can put words to that pain. You know, did you feel betrayed? Did you feel abandoned? Did you feel rejected? And when you felt that way, it caused you to think what about yourself? You know, that I'm not worthy. I'm not lovable. And it caused you to think what about other people? I can't trust people. People aren't safe. I have to protect myself. You know, and and because I think these things, what do I do? I isolate or Mm -hmm. I avoid or I deny, or I manipulate, or um, I try to force people to give me what I need. So it's about recognizing these were healthy things that I learned, and these were some unhealthy things that I learned. And this is my pattern of response, and this is how we can start to process through those feelings and identify new ways of um, responding differently. So rather than responding from a place of fear, let's try to respond from a place of hope. And 
you know, and then that can lead us to see more ways to have peace because so, we don't have to work so hard now. <laughs> now we can right. say, oh, that's what's going on. Okay, maybe I can relax a little bit more. And maybe now I can discover more joy, um, mm-hmm. you know. So it's, it's, it's a process. It's a process of getting to know you and getting to know those around you and, and figuring out how you want to present in the world differently. And y'all thought that was that was crazy. That episode was crazy. Just wait until you see part two or hear part two, I should say. Again, I'm still working on my visuals, but it was incredible. I'm excited. I'm happy about it. And it's only going to get better from here, y'all. So continue exceeding while black. Peace and love. I'm out. <laughs>